Before we get going here, got to talk about our proud partner, Rawlings Canada. For over 130 years, Rawlings has been the most trusted brand in diamond sports. Every Rawlings product is carefully crafted with the finest materials available and assembled, weighed, measured, tested, and inspected for the highest possible level of quality and consistency. I can tell you firsthand how good their product is. The glove I've been wearing since 2014 is Hopi's Rawlings glove that he got in 2000. Think about that. I'm wearing a glove that will be 24 years old this summer. If that doesn't tell you just how good their product is, I don't know what will. Rawlings, check them out wherever you get your ball gear. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. What is going on? Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 152 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. What an episode we have for you this week as we sat down and chatted with legendary coach Terry Bader. Terry is in every Hall of Fame I'm pretty sure that he's eligible for in the game. This includes the Brampton Sports Hall of Fame, Softball Ontario, Softball Canada, the ISC, and the WBSC ones. That's just absolutely incredible, and his resume in the game is like a novel. He is one of the most successful softball coaches in the world, providing leadership to teams competing in more than 2,100 games, and is the only field manager to win a Canadian, ISC, Pan Am Games, and WBSC World Championship. We're going to talk to Terry about getting introduced to softball in North York at the age of seven by his father, the influence hockey coaching legend Roger Nielsen had on him, those epic ISC runs with the Toronto Gators, of course coaching the Canadian men's national team for 18 years, and much, much more. Terry was such a pleasure to chat with. What he has done in this game is absolutely incredible, and Hopi and I were so happy he took the time to come on and share stories from his career with us. So with that being said, let's get to it. This is Outside the Shoot, and anything goes. I got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. Bad. How about yourself? Fantastic. Now that the bridge is open in Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it cut my drive down so much. Nobody knows about the bridge. I mean, we've talked about the bridge a little bit, but it's been over for- Four years and two months. Holy shit. I didn't even realize it was that much, but <laughs> that long, sorry. Um, what a difference. Oh, unreal. I mean, realistically, if you look big picture, it's like maybe six minutes difference, but what a difference. The funniest thing. Okay. When the bridge initially went out, yeah, there was no highway exit in Lance. Now, oh, now that's right. There's a highway exit land. That's right. For me to get onto the highway now that's and so get much the, quicker for you. Holy shit! It's yeah. amazing. Amazing. It's so thank awesome. you, bridge people, and to get to hockey and ball now. I know it's going to cut eight minutes off my drive. Wow, that's awesome. It's a world of time. <laughs> Freaking right. It is fantastic. Yeah. There's we, people. So, there's people listening around the world going, "What the hell?" Is this well, we went from a one lane. <laughs> <laughs> iron wooden surfaced bridge that's been there since Christ was a cowboy oh, yeah. 
to actually having a two lane bridge now. Yeah. But, and, and it was out for, well, the four, four years, months, like you had just four years. And anyway, it's a big deal to us. I know it's not a big deal to everybody else out there, but we don't have a lot going on. So. <laughs> it's a big it, event here. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty amazing. We're quite happy. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So what's, uh, what's the word on Ken's? Well, I was actually talking to Jen today, luckily enough. Oh, and, right uh, Ken's, uh, or sorry, Jen said, uh, things that are going okay. Uh, the medicine, that uh, Kenzie's been taking to increase her platelet count is working. However, her body is consuming them as fast as she, she is producing them. So her current platelet count, which I don't really understand any of the stuff, but at any rate, right. if people out there do understand, at least they can hear this. Her current platelet count is 19. So she's at risk of ble- uh, to bleeding and not being able to clot. So if she cut herself or right. something of that nature. So that's kind of risky, obviously. So they're, they're really working on getting that, that count up, obviously. Uh, she's sh- slowly getting stronger, but still has a way to go, of course. And, uh, actually this week she had began to ride the exercise bike to build up her strength, which is awesome. huge. Uh, Jen's biggest point was, uh, her hair is really growing. So she's oh, very good. happy about that. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, uh, we're very happy. That's all working out very well. Yeah. And, uh, keep on praying for Kenzie. Of course we 100%. always do and love you for each family and everybody around you. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. What else we got? Uh, we want to talk about some moves. Uh, thank you to softball premier TV, of course, because they're always updating on, on where guys are going, yep. which is exciting stuff. It looks like Grand Prairie is really trying to load up, which get, is nice. They get, some, uh, get some players. Well, Kevin Schellenberg. Uh, Shelley. So Shelly Mace is gone there as well. Um, who is the, uh, oh, Chris Warwick. Yeah. Chris Warwick went and Jonas H-A-J-N-Y. I'll let you decide how to say that, but he moved from Midland, I believe, to to Grand Prairie. Henne, maybe? I don't know. Yep. Any rate, um, Drillin' Rutt and Kyle Linton have gone to Midland. Okay. And one huge, huge undertaking, Wayne Lalu, gone to Bear Creek. (sighs) Wayne Lalu, we went on the podcast. Come on, the podcast. Wayne. We know. Yeah. That's a big move. That's huge, man. Yeah. Uh, that's huge. Everybody seems to be uh loading up. I know it's only January, but you gotta you gotta do due diligence yeah. right now and get that stuff on the go. Sure there's probably gonna be a, a few other ones coming to the forefront there. But uh, yeah, I'm sure there are, but that's exciting stuff. It I, is. I love hearing it. Of course, software and softball premiere. premiere. They Amazing. do such a great team. Amazing. Great job. Love those Amazing guys. Stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh Rawlings, man. As you guys heard on our intro, we're uh, yeah. we're very excited to have them on board with us. Big get. I was uh, yeah. so happy with, you know, Jason and Steph. Yeah. And, I mean, you you got to talk to, to Yeah, Ship. I met Ship at the yeah. uh, AGM and on a whim, I just, you know, you and I kind of discussed it and we've been looking for something to promote. And of course, Rawlings has always been a big part of our life mm. as you talk about I, using my ball glove, but. It's <laughs> the best ball glove ever, man. I want my ball glove back. <laughs> no, nope, uh, not until I retire. That thing, man, I had, well, as you know, I've had it a long time. I've actually restrung it probably four times yeah. over the number of years, but uh, it's always been old faithful to me. Uh, I miss it. It's fact, so comfortable. But, like it's. Yeah, well. It's like, it's amazing. It, it like just fits hand, you. Huh? It's fits you. Yeah. Like it's, oh, it's so great. But anyway, having uh, Rawlings signed on with us is, is massive. Uh, Big we're, time. we're very appreciative of the fact that they've agreed to come on board with us and, yeah. uh, we will do you well. We promise you yeah. because, uh, again, it's been part of our lives ever since I was a kid mm-hmm. and, uh, moving forward, it'll be part of everyone else's lives as well. For as sure. far as, you know, kids and locally, um, 
I will say I, I met with Jeff Cameron, Prodigy Sports this week and discussed, you know, us signing with Rawlings and stuff. And he was very excited for us because he sells a okay. lot of their product as well. I can't remember what he said his name or the name of his uh, local rep was. But at any rate, Jeff said uh, once ball season starts and, you know, they start getting ball gear on the shelves that he wants us to approach him and he wants to work with us as well as, as for promotion. Like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. We definitely, balls. definitely do that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Very happy with that. Yeah. Um, Got anything else written down there? I, I wanted to talk about the dust-up debriefs, man. Oh, so awesome. Listen, as as a coach, as a former player, as as someone that loves the game as much as I do, I absolutely love the debriefs. They're so good. I mean, having – obviously, Lolly and Hilly are fantastic, but having Shalesy on board too, yeah. it just adds a different dynamic to it. I love hearing it. I mean, one of my favorite players ever growing up and, and still will always be one of my favorite players, Colin Abbott. Yeah. I mean, when he was on there just discussing, you know, what they were talking about, I, I just, I can't stop listening to that stuff. It's so good. And you try to soak every bit of it up because those guys are so smart. They've yep. seen it all. They've been around it all. But uh, I really appreciate what they're doing. It, it's great for the game. It definitely is. Yeah. And I hope that young kids, and I've actually spread the word to some of the younger guys just to listen. Listen to it. Yeah. Yes. Because it, it makes so much sense. And yep. it's, it's not something that's new and we're not trying to, you know, recreate the wheel or, you know, change anything up. It's. It's just, you have to hear it and you have to know that that stuff works. Yes. It's amazing. And, and for, you know, the young ones to, you know, to listen to such world-class players as Hilly Lolly and, and Chelsea. Jesus, man. Yeah. Like, can't get any better than that. Yeah. And then having a guy like Abby on there, like, man. Yeah. That's quite a. Listen to it and soak it in. Absolutely. I, I love it. I can't, it I can't wait for the next one to come out, actually. Yeah. I, I really look forward to that. Um. One other thing we have coming up. Uh, so we, we met as an executive. Uh, mind you, I can't be part of the executive just because of my position with Salt Paul, Nova Scotia. But of course, I have a, a strong tie with East Hans mm -hmm. and the Mastodon organization. So we met last week and discussed uh, forming an executive with a president and a VP of admin and directors and what have you. So we were able to put something together. Um, those people that are on that board are passionate about the sport. They're really looking forward to pushing the sport to, to gain some more traction with more kids to join, to become members of not only East Hans, but of, of course, softball Nova Scotia. Um, with that being said, we've decided to, we're going to put on a, our own little East Hans showcase. So we're going to have, I don't know what the number will be. It's, it's, I would hazard to guess will be, you know, 150, 200 kids type idea. Mm -hmm. So I actually went out today and I ordered 200 t-shirts with the mass on logo on the front and awesome. each, each kid that registers will, you know, we're going to go through a skills, kind of a fitness testing and a, a skill testing thing just to run the kids through it. And the biggest thing about it is we don't want just kids that are playing ball. Now we want kids that aren't playing ball to come and try it. Do we have an age group? Do we have it? It's every age group. Oh, is it? It's oh, all awesome. of minor ball. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't, I don't mean any senior players or that, but we're, we're talking, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking from learn to play to you 19. Picture Whitey jumping in on these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, learn to play. And that's another thing too we changed this year is we have two categories of learn to play. We have learn to play one and learn to play two. Kind of like hockey, IP1, IP2. Oh. Yeah. So we're, the reason being is because we have three, four, five-year-olds that are trying to come into ball. Okay. You mix three, four, five-year-olds with six, six seven, seven, eight, eight-year-olds. Yeah, doesn't work. It's not a good match. So we're going to really work on an LTP1 and LTP2 and make it so it's age specified. Oh, okay. That's yeah, great. Or age specific. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
So having that showcase April 13th, uh, we're kind of excited about it. We're going to get as many kids as we possibly can out. And of course, you know, we're, we have a yeah. website that we're firing up. And the Guess whole who's doing the website? Oh, I remember I asked you and you said no. And then I said, yes, you are. And then you said, yes, I am. Yeah. No. <laughs> you just twist my arm. Well, yeah. Anyway. Anything to promote the game, man. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm yeah. super excited about it. So Not we got a uh, pretty good big guest on here. Yeah, I would say. Jeez. If you look well, at his resume, it's resume. like, holy jumping yep. Jesus. Mr. Uh, Terry Bader, longtime uh, coach with the Canadian men's national team, 18 years to be exact. Uh, yeah. He's done it all in the game. He's in every Hall of Fame that you could ever imagine. And and I guarantee you this, we are going to get a lot of uh, stories out of Mr. Bader. Yeah, he may not even hear us talk. Uh, like, <laughs> I can tell you, I told you I had a 20-minute conversation with the Terry yesterday. And spoke for 27 seconds. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I love that, you know. Oh my gosh. It's yes. so great. I, I love it. Us getting yeah. to sit back and, you know, listen yeah. to the, it's going to be so good. Yeah, so I, I can guarantee it. you everybody listening is going to be in for a fantastic podcast right now. Yeah. So let's get to him. Sounds great. Yo. All right, here we go. We are happy to have on with us today, four-time ISC champion with the Toronto Gators and the Tampa Bay Smokers, Softball Canada ISC and WBSC Hall of Famer, and longtime head coach of the Canadian men's national team, the legendary Terry Bader. Terry, thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast. Well, my pleasure, Randy and Chris, and I uh, look forward to it. How's things going in Ontario? And I, 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 <laughs> so I well. thought I was going to be talking to you from Florida, but uh, had a little had a little event occur. I, I, I hear we had a basement flooding. Uh, fortunately, the kids were checking in on the house, so we caught uh, could have been worse. And uh, you know, bottom line is it's uh, three rooms flooded. Uh, my man cave, my sports room uh, was oh, one no. of them. But fortunately. Uh, other than a few metals getting wet, everything else was okay. My wife's crafting room uh, took the brunt of it, as well as the grandkids' uh, toy room. But uh, all in all, I flew back, but uh, flying back on Sunday and put this behind us. Excellent. There's a lot of worse things happening to others, uh, So, uh, but I appreciate you asking. Yeah, uh, for sure. Get back to that uh, warmer. So do you go down to Florida every, every, uh, every winter? Uh, since we've retired other than the COVID years. And uh, I think we'll wait and see what happens with the uh, the upcoming election. We may uh, try and go to Europe uh, for a month in, in January, February, and see a comparison uh, with what we do in Florida. Nice. Oh, okay, right on. Fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's uh, let's get to your career. Cause yeah, we have a little bit to talk about. It's pretty extensive. <laughs> I mean, uh, you've done it all in the game. Uh, let's you know let's start at the beginning how uh did you start the game did you start in baseball or did you actually start in fast pitch and then transition to baseball uh i was one of those kids that my my father ran a uh, a men's softball league in toronto and uh so that was my introduction i was always the bat boy uh as a matter of fact the uh, Bob Domic from the Richmond Hill Dines. I saw him pitch as a youngster in that uh, Davis Hill Men's League. And then uh, I played uh, uh, softball and baseball, and I was on the go seven days a week. Two or three days were softball. Two or three days uh, were baseball. So it was in my blood. And uh, um, 
played both and uh, eventually uh, got into coaching uh, through softball. Nice, nice. Now I know uh, you had quite a quite a coach growing up there, and uh, you mentioned in your notes there, Mr. Roger Nielsen. Uh, <laughs> tell us about that, because I mean that's just a legendary name. Not on, you know, in sport, not just in sports, but in everything, really. Uh, Roger was a uh, uh, middle school teacher in, in Toronto, in North York, uh, where I grew up. And uh, he had a habit of, uh, he ran the North Toronto Baseball Association, as well as uh, at that time, I think he coached the Western Dodgers. He was in that association. And uh, he would go around recruiting the best athletes through word of mouth. Uh, he'd recruit one, and then somebody would tell him, well, hey, you better go and get this guy because he's a friend of mine. He's pretty good. And Roger had an initiation. He had the, uh, everybody had to, deliver the Globe and Mail newspaper in the morning for him. He probably had the largest route in uh, in history. Uh, and uh, he'd pick you up or drop papers off. And uh, that was sort of uh, a rite of passage to play for, for Roger. And uh, I played for him for about, uh, from the time I think I was 10 to about 18 in baseball. Wow. And then I played softball locally. Uh, uh, went to five Ontario championships in a row. Uh, and back then, you usually went your second year to the final. Lost it four straight times. Finally won it uh, my last year in midget, uh, 1969. And then I, I concentrated more on my on my baseball and uh, played some inter-county uh, senior ball for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, uh, just the odd game here and there, and I uh, was pursuing a scholarship with the States at that time. Wow. Now, now you got to go to Yankees camp, didn't you? I got an invitation, uh, Roger, uh, the scout that had watched me play. Uh, Roger wrote a scouting report by hand. Uh, I'd like to say I was a five-tool player, but uh, I'm not going to say. Uh, I, I was pretty. I thought I was pretty good for my age, but uh, uh, I had my first airplane ride uh, to New York. I picked up and worked out in Yankee Stadium uh, uh, for an entire day, and uh, that's when I realized uh, you're not as good as you think you are. Yeah, yeah. that must have been seeing some of the other ones but it, it was fun uh, you know uh, I, I think one of the most exciting things was uh, in the dressing room seeing all the free bubble gum and uh, <laughs> you know all these Yankee hats all around but it was quite an experience and, and um, there's some former Yankee players that that ran that particular uh, tryout and uh, uh, but just uh, still have the frame letter from the application uh, inviting me. Uh, it's one of the things uh, um, that uh, I'll cherish uh, being there. Absolutely. I bet. It's amazing. Now, was that at Old Yankee? That was at the Old Yankee in 1969. Wow. That must so have been, just long, stepping long on that field contract. would have been amazing. Yeah, and Mickey, it was funny. They, they they did this. The Yankees are on a road trip, and I think that was Mickey Mantle's last year, and he was my idol. And uh, funny story, I had a Spalding baseball glove, and I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I can't go to Yankee Stadium. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I've got to get a, I've got to get the Mickey Mantle XR7 Rawlings <laughs> professional rawhide glove. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what I did? Believe it or not. I wrote a letter to Rawlings 
I sent them the uh, the invitation letter that I got from the Yankees. Yeah. And uh, I said, uh, it means a lot. I'd like to have this particular, the pro model glove back then. They cost a fortune. And I said, I'll trade you in my Spalding glove. That's <laughs> part of the compensation. <laughs> and, believe, and believe it or not, they sent me that glove. And uh, I have it. To this day, I, I played with it for the rest of my uh, softball and baseball career, and it's down in my basement. And if we were uh, had a visual, I would go and get it for you. But that's uh, that tells you the kind of people Rawlings were back then, that they would take a letter from a 17-year-old and say, okay, we'll send him a glove. It means a lot. That, that is great. Hey, Ship, how about that promotion, buddy? Wowzers. So, so, so what's funny, Terry, is that we actually just – partnered with Rawlings last week with the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that you just told that story, that's, I, that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I said, uh, not only that, but uh, years ago when I took my junior team up to senior, uh, Rawlings uh, sponsored our uniforms. We are called H and Court Rawlings. Wow. So there's another plug for Rawlings. There we go. That's so great. That's so great. Actually, all free I, advertising for Rawlings. I want to re- <laughs> rewind a little bit here, uh, Terry. The In your notes here, you, the players you grew up playing with, I mean, they read like the who's who in the sports world, don't they? <laughs> it's Remember what I said, Roger uh, <laughs> recruited yeah. uh, the best players. Uh, players that that he knew and uh i don't know if i'd consider myself in their class but uh um we had uh, on our, our midget championship winning team but guys that played in the association uh north toronto uh, larry utek who you would know very well yeah, of course and, yeah uh being a different from the east um billy harris number one draft pick with the uh New York Islanders, and then he got traded uh, in the Butch Goring deal, and then the Islanders won cups. He was our shortstop. Wow. Uh, Chris Meloff uh, played for the Toronto Toros. He was one of our pitchers. The Gardner brothers uh, played. Uh, Steve Shutt, one of my good friends growing up uh, in baseball, was our center fielder. I played third base. Uh, and it, it was a, a real collection of athletes, and, and you talk about relationships and, and, and learning. Uh, Roger had this Volkswagen Beetle, uh, F- well, I don't know, call it a station wagon, and we'd sit in the back in different seats, and, and that's where you, you, you learned a lot or, or you picked up a lot of things about uh, uh, about how he coached. And, and, and I'll tell you right now, he'll say it that while Roger was alive, he'd say he was a better baseball coach than he was a hockey coach. Is that and, right? Uh, wow. Uh, those relationships meant a lot. In fact, uh, Steve Shutt invited me to his uh, his Hall of Fame. I attended his Hall of Fame uh, induction back, uh, I believe it was 93. Amazing. So, that's unreal. Yeah. That is so awesome. So, like, as far as your coaching philosophies went, did you did you take a lot from Roger? Or, you know, or did you take, I shouldn't say a lot, did you take little things from Roger? You know, there's people that, that have an impact on you. Obviously, my father, uh, because uh, he ran a men's league. Uh, you know, when you go and you're seven and eight, you're bat boying and you're watching. Uh, Roger, obviously, was one of my uh, major influences. Uh, another one would have been my softball coach uh, for the team I played on, uh, Carl Kelleher. Uh, his son, and again, one of my best friends. And 
and uh, you learn a lot. I learned a lot from football coaches that I had, uh, um, just mentors and, and just asking people and trial and error as a coach. And I was a young coach at 18, and, and uh, believe me, I'm going to turn 72, and uh, uh, you think you know a lot, but uh, you know you never stop learning in this game. And, right. and, and I think one of the things that, that benefited me was that uh, – um, I wasn't afraid to ask people, how did you, why do you do this? How did you run this? Um, what is the important qualities that you think uh, a successful coach should have mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, over time uh, you pick up things from different coaches that you uh, played against or, and our teams that you played against. And, and it's a, it's a learning experience. And, and uh, I was fortunate. I had good mentors. I learned a lot off the field about doing things. Uh, it's just not the technical stuff uh, that you do on the field, although that's obviously important. And I was fortunate that uh, I started coaching in the old days, peewee under 13 and under 15, under 17, under 21, right up to senior men. And, and I, I think you don't see that as much anymore um, where you take a team and a group of athletes all the way through. And that's, that was the trial and error period of those early years, uh, you know, under U13, U15, so that by the time I got to senior, um, you know, I knew the game, and that's where you you started really learning the game mm-hmm. and uh, to the point of, uh, uh, of trying to play against and be the best. So what was it that made you get into the coaching, you know, as you know, at U13? Because, I mean, that's something, you know, Usually people, when they jump in a lot of, like a lot of coaches these days are like, they want to start at, you know, the midget level or the U18 or whatever it is. But I mean, you jumped in at U13. They, um, I was, I think 18 or 19 and, uh, local kids in the area. Um, I was about five years older than them. And they said, uh, you know, we don't have a coach. Would you coach us? They knew a little bit about me because they knew, uh, They'd followed, I guess, uh, who I was in terms of of, uh, baseball and football and softball. So I said, sure. And uh, when I was doing speaking engagements, I tell the story about coaching that, you know, um, first year with that team, we lost, I think, our first, it was about a 12-game season. We lost our first 11 games and we won our 12th game. And the reason I tell the story is that Two of those players on that one and eleven team first year house league went on to play for the men's national team. Wow, that's awesome! You got to tell us who they are. Uh, Jim Cowdery, a pitcher, and Glenn Ford, uh, center fielder. Amazing! Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that goes like, hey, any of the young ones out there listening. <laughs> listen to that story right there i mean and that's (laughs) and that's it that uh you know there's always hope and uh you know um as i said one in 11 yeah you're gonna take your licks it's the only losing season i ever had so we'll have to scrap that one from the record (laughs) take that (laughs) take that u13 one out so uh what was uh what was your introduction into the uh, into the men's level uh, I took the junior team up to, to senior men's and, uh, would have been 19. Yeah. I guess our first year uh, would have been 81 and, uh, or 80. And, 
we played in the Ontario Fastball League. Uh, it was a, a pretty competitive league. Uh, some of the big teams at that time were Newmarket Rays, Owen Sound, Kitchener. Uh, won the Ontario Championship, went to Thetford Mines, uh, undefeated in the round robin, but we lost out uh, in the playoff round uh, to Jeff Boyce in Alberta. Uh, and then uh, we repeated as champion the next year. Went to that was '83, and uh, after the '82 season uh, was when I I was 30 years old and I got appointed uh, to be an assistant coach with the men's national team. So a lot of things fell into place in terms of the success we had. Not only that we had a good program, but in junior we were a strong team. Uh, as a matter of fact, Mark Smith uh, from Nova Scotia came into Ontario to uh, play for a junior team uh, that year against uh, the team we had. So uh, that gives you an example of the quality of yeah. uh, players we had. And then, uh, uh, as I said, I got fortunate that uh, to be picked as an assistant coach at the age of 30 with the men's national team. So that was the introduction. And uh, uh, coach club team, uh, and they sort of had a rule you couldn't coach both club team and a men's national team. So I, I ended up not coaching club team for a few years. And then when I got uh, appointed head coach of the men's national team in 89, I said, look, if I'm going to be effective because I coach third base, uh, uh, you've got to let me, you know, coach club team if I want. Right. And uh, they uh, agreed to it. And uh, I coached uh, there and uh, the club team uh, and the national team at the same time for a number of years. Right on, Terry. Who was your assistant? Or sorry, who was your head coach when you were the assistant coach with the national team in '82? Do you recall? Uh, yeah, the uh, the other assistant coach, Bob Swatsky from Rempel from uh, Saskatoon. Saskatoon, yeah, the Automatics, and uh, Dave Pierce uh, didn't coach the club team, but he was the head coach. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So. I guess I want to I want to jump to the ISCs here for for a few minutes. Uh, your first one was in '83 in Bakersfield, was it? Uh, yes, uh, and those were the days when you had to qualify. Uh, you know, right? Make a little a little yeah, different. <laughs> yeah, a little different. Uh, Bakersfield and uh, then '84 mm-hmm. Allentown, Pennsylvania. So those were my first two experiences. But I had watched. Um, the ISC and, and, and it was introduced into Canada and Ontario through Lloyd Simpson. Uh, but in the early days when I was a youngster, my father would um, every Labor Day weekend would drive to Stratford, Connecticut, which is where the ASA championships were held every year. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to see firsthand how good softball was. Uh, and that's the days of, uh, of some of the major Ray Bess's Cardinals are one of the best teams. And uh, some of the other companies, teams, uh, you know, the players work for the company and they actually work for the company and, and played softball for them. So those were sort of my introductions into that high level of play. And that was around the time. That was around the time. I mean, we talked to Darren Zach here a couple of weeks ago and when he went to Boston was 83, was it? And now he talked about how it was the ASA side of things on that like on it was the East much Coast. bigger than the ISCs back yeah, yeah. Said, yeah so that would have been around the same time hey eh, Terry 
You pro- well, I was even before that watching. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. You know, but, right. Uh, yeah, our club teams, uh, you know, just got introduced, uh, you know, probably late 70s was when it was really introduced, right. uh, you know, to going to the ISC and, and, uh, and you know there were issues with uh, softball Canada and, and the ISC, and uh, but I, I, those eventually over time got resolved. Right now, looking back on those, you know, especially like early '80s, mid '80s, those mm. times when you had like Peter Meredith, Peter Finn, all these you know top pitchers in the world, and everybody. I mean, you would have went through that list of you could. There are sixteen teams in that ISC's probably had top pitchers in the world. What was it like, you know, not only from a coaching standpoint, but, you know, as a player that loves, or as a guy that, you know, loves the game, fan of the game, game, watching these guys in their prime do their thing. I I think it's, and and back then too, you remember the only international players of any note were, were uh, from New New Zealand. Zealand, Yeah. Kevin Hurley, he's an example um, and, and as you say, you mentioned, you know, Peter Finn and, and, um, a, a number of others at that time. And, and again, my whole interest it goes back to 1972 when I was playing junior and the Richmond Hill Dines had just won the world championship in March of that year in the Philippines. And I can remember they, they were doing an exhibition tour in the summer and I can remember how people were lined up and, and, you know, the stands were packed because the Richmond Hill Dines were coming to town. And uh, that's why, it, you know, when, when I saw that, that made the impression that said one day I want to be involved in, in something like this and, yeah, and win a world championship uh, as a national team member. And I also realized the importance of, of, of winning it, uh, with the ISC as a club team. Uh, so they're, they're both hand in hand and, but representing your country is, is second to none. No, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another thing I want to touch on the ISCs. I mean, we, t- it's debated all the time, you know, on social media, it's debated between us. It's between, it's debated, you know, the errors in the game. Like, of course it was much harder back at that time to win an ISC championship as it is today. And I don't care. Anybody can chime in on social media and say whatever, but it's a fact because you had to qualify to get there. And when you got there, you had the top teams like in North America there with the best players. So, I mean, from your standpoint, What's uh, what's your take on it? Because I'm sure you agree. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to disagree. Right. Uh, but uh, at, at the same time, um, when I retired from coaching in 99, so I had seen, you know, the great Pencore teams or NHCD. I'd seen, you know, Pan Pack from Seattle, um, all the great pitchers of that era, and there were about 25 of them. Um, and when I came back 15 years later, uh, and I looked at the talent level that, that particularly Canada had, and I said, um, you know, these guys are pretty good. Again, the game had changed so radically. Uh, I think we, in our era, we played 
better defense. It was a speed game. You had slappers. You had to find different ways to win because of the quality of the pitching. Mm -hmm. And every team had a quality pitcher that could shut you down. And we're talking, you know, the top 20 teams uh, compared to today. And so I think the pitching's the difference. I don't think there's as many quality pitchers. And New Zealand's a classic example. They used to produce, you know, pitcher, great pitcher after great pitcher. And you look now, and uh, their performances at uh, whether it's the under 23 or uh, uh, the U18 and then last year's world championships uh, or 22, mm-hmm. uh, they've, they've lost their, their cycle of, of, of producing great pitchers. And uh, so I, I think that's the major difference and the number of teams, um, you know, you have 48 teams and, and uh, um, you know, get upset as we did in 95 and uh, lost our first game, had to win 11 straight, which we did, but uh, there was no way as the number two team uh, uh, that were playing the number 47 team, which happened to be Vancouver and they had uh, three Canadian national team players. So tell, tell me we played the 47th team yeah, compared right. to where now, uh, what you see. So, yeah. but uh, no, there, there's a lot of great ball players today. And, and it, just like I got impacted by the Richmond Hill Dines, there's, you know, players playing today that got impacted by the Gators in the mid nineties or, you know, and it's, it's a, and just like 10, 15 years from now, the players that there are playing today will impact uh, on those that are coming right. after them. Yep. Totally. Um, I want to touch on, I'm going to switch it back to the national team here. 1992, you guys win gold in Manila. I mean, how, special is that for you? Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me what my favorite teams were. And uh, 92 was a, a, a great collection of talent. It was off season. And that's why uh, I never, as a coach, you can never use, well, it was our off season uh, as an excuse. We did it in March uh, we didn't have much of a training uh, basis, but we had worked four years in putting that team together. And to win Canada's first outright championship, I know in 76 there was a three-way tie yeah. but uh, because of a rain out in New Zealand. But to win it where the Richmond Hill Dines had won it in 72 uh, and to do it in 92 in the exact same location where they won it. And... New Zealand was the favorite because they had a pitching staff of Chubb Tangaroa, Marty Grant, Peter Meredith, and Michael White. Well, wow. And, uh, <laughs> you know, people talk about our pitching staff. Well, Darren wasn't quite the Darren Zach. That was a coming out party yeah. for him. Mike uh, Peaches, uh, Piednik threw pretty well. Terry Bell threw outstanding for us. And uh, Jody Henniger was also on that staff. But I don't think anybody will question that. When you go undefeated, which is, that's why it's one of my special teams, um, that that says a lot. And the fact we did it, and we beat New Zealand twice. We beat them in the round robin 3-1. We beat Peter Meredith. And then uh, we beat Chubb. And uh, I think Grant came in. And then Michael White finished uh, in the championship game. So, um, that one will always be special. I imagine. Did uh, did Smitty ever pitch on the national team at all, or was he just primarily? No, uh, 
Mark uh, played with the national team in 83, our, our Pan Am year in Venezuela. Yeah. Okay. So he was a pitcher on that team. Okay. And then uh, I guess, I don't know, the politics with the club teams and that. And, and, and Mark uh, wasn't back with the national team. And I became head coach. He gave me a call and asked me uh, if I would give him an opportunity. And uh, not only did I give him an opportunity, but he played really well in 91, 92, and uh, became good friends. And uh, his coaching career took off when uh, I appointed him as an assistant coach. And uh, when I did retire, he replaced me. Yeah. So, yeah, it must have been, you know, as as someone who brought him on there to get his coaching career started. I mean, it must have been gratifying to see him uh, win an Olympic or Olympic uh, bronze medal. You know, it's it's not only that, but I mean, Chris Jones is another uh, player yep. that I had. And he's an assistant coach now as well, but mm -hmm. not only on Mark's staff, but on, on Kaylee's staff. Yep. And uh, I always believe that 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 players uh, that special players uh should give back to the sport in, in, in the way of, of going back and getting into coaching and uh um it, it makes me feel good as, as sort of a career coach uh volunteer career coach in a sense uh to see these guys uh excel and do as as well as as they've done and and uh, as I said, uh, I've got a lot of rings. I'm in a lot of Hall of Fames, and it's a direct result of, of um, you know, the quality of players that I had. And uh, I'm also fortunate that, that when they give their Hall of Fame speeches, uh, they're kind enough to acknowledge the role that I played in, in, in their successes. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's, all, that's, you know, your legacy as a coach, um, you know, it's not the wins and losses. That's not the championships. It's uh, how people remember you, how people remember how your teams played. And, uh, you know, I, I take great pride in knowing that, that our players played with class and uh, were the most prepared team uh, when we played and took the field, that we had an identity that this was Canada. Yeah, for sure. Now, just actually looking at your uh, national team record at 79 wins and eight losses. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's pretty good. How many, uh, <laughs> how many of those eight losses should you, should you have won? <laughs> how many of those eight losses? Yeah. Uh, well, we, we never lost, you know, I always had a, I have this uh, 20 point formula for success and I, and yeah, I always had a philosophy. You never let somebody know they can beat you. And uh, when we played the lesser countries, uh, you know, they had everything to gain and we had everything to lose. And, and we approached that the same way we approached uh, the New Zealand. And, and people forget how good the U.S. was back in that day with Jimmy Moore. And, and, and right. you know, the, the, they had cycles where Michael White and Peter Meredith pitched for them. And one year they're p pitching for them in the Pan Am. The next year they're pitching for New Zealand in a world championship. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, we and, and every player on their 
U.S. team was an ISC, uh, you know, Hall of Famer. So we had some great battles against them, but Japan was pretty good in those days. Uh, Venezuela, the Dominican, um, Cuba had outstanding pitching. Uh, Australia was just starting to come on, uh, you know, in the 90s. And so it's no surprise of how well they did in the late, you know, the decade in the, I think, 2008 or nine when they won their first uh, world championship. And so, um, it's very cyclical, but but people forget how good. And again, uh, their the quality was what impressed me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go to the Gators now because I mean that was an epic run that the Gators had in the mid nineties, and it was just silly. I mean, hope you got to see it firsthand. Yeah, I got to play against it. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. When was that? That was uh, ninety four. Yeah. So yeah, hope you got to play against you guys in 94. Um, talk about that. How did that uh, team all form up to begin with? I'm sorry. How did it, how did it, like, how did it all come together? All come together. You know, um, Jack Byerman was, was the sponsor and uh, a lot of people referred to him as a George Steinbrenner, a softball. <laughs> um, I had a great, relationship with Jack. I helped teach Jack the game to the point where he, he probably thought he knew it better than anybody else. And he just, uh, like George Steinbrenner with the Yankees, he said, you know what? Uh, I don't golf. I don't have any hobbies. I don't fish, but I want to put a softball team together and uh, be the best. And there, there was no second place for Jack. That wasn't a successful season. So he had sponsored some some uh, teams before the Gators. Um, and I, I think he players were ta- talking to him about, uh, you know, uh, he want you know, you got to recruit players. So uh, he, uh, I guess, us winning the world championship in 92, so in the summer, that was March. So in the summer of 92, he started to recruit. And uh, Darren had his coming out party in Salt Lake City that year. And he went after Darren. And once he put Darren into place, he recruited a number of national team players. Um, he recruited me to coach it. And unfortunately, there was an issue, again, with Softball Canada. But uh, I told him I couldn't coach it, but I would be a consultant and uh, ended up on the bench and for the next two years, as well as, you know, eventually taking over. Um, but so Jack had asked me to coach and, uh, but uh, that's how the relationship started. And uh, it was a good four year run. And uh, uh, I think the run in 15, 16 for him meant as much. Uh, and he'll tell you that. Well, oh. um, he told us that, 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 15, 16, but the first group, uh, you know what, it's like saying, you can only do something for the first time once. We won, you know, first Canadian team in 93 to win it, first team to ever lose its first game at the ISC and win it. And then the only team that he had that actually went undefeated was the 2016 team. Wow. And when you look and say, well, how many sponsors or how many people – won it in the mid nineties and came back, uh, you know, 21 years later to do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable actually. Um, 
I want to ask that that first one though. I mean, from a personal standpoint, how uh, how special was that one for you? Well, again, the, the first time you do something, um, first Canadian team to do it, I, I yeah. think um, meant a lot, and I think that sort of set the stage where uh, where people appreciated the Canadian player. Uh, and, and again, I'll go back to the 92 world championship team. When we won that, that sort of put Canada back on the map as a softball power. Right. And people started to recognize that, Hey, it wasn't just the U S ISC all-stars. And then, uh, you know, you'd had club teams that became, they you know, came close to winning an ISC. Uh, I think there were a couple of third place finishes. There may have even been a second place finish at some point. So being the first to do anything is, is always, uh, uh, you know, a, a special endeavor. And uh, so I know that one and on that championship ring, it says Canada's first. So that was, that was, I know, uh, made a lot. Um, And and I think when we look at the collection of talent, that that wasn't the most talented Gator team. That was, you know, again, Darren Zach's performance and, and, you know, catching teams, NHCD was going through a bit of a turmoil in that year. Uh, so they weren't as good as they should have been uh, because, you know, we had to beat them twice in the final, uh, but uh, they were the best team uh, at that point. I think after that, uh, we slowly, be, you know, in 94, we didn't win. Darren hurt his arm and didn't pitch, but we got to the final. 95 uh, was a very talented team, and, uh, you know, the record, I think that year we were 80 89, nine and two. So that was, that was a good team. Well, and 96, we probably should have won it. Uh, and all of a sudden they started calling illegal pitches in the uh, <clears throat> winner's round final against Darren. And that uh, sort of set the stage for a, a bad omen. Yeah, for sure. I want to, I want to ask more about that 95 run because I mean, when we talked to Darren, you know, he's pretty humble and <laughs> didn't really, you know, doesn't like to talk about his, his successes that much, but I mean, from, for you and for other people sitting there watching what he did and he actually, he gave you a lot of, uh, well, yeah, he said, Terry gave me the chance, gave me the opportunity and without that opportunity, I could never have done that. Yeah. So, so I mean, huge. look from, you know, <clears throat> for f- looking at that performance that he did, I mean, what was it like to, you know, sit there and watch that? <laughs> You know, we had a lot of close games. Uh, we had a lot of blowout games, and we had a lot of, uh, you know, we, we lost three two in extra innings to Vancouver, and it was so. Uh, and Sioux City was very hot. We came out the next day, and, and this is probably the turning point in the tournament. I mean, one of the reasons we had Brad Underwood that year was because Jack recruited him because Darren got hurt the year before, and he says, "I'm going to protect our team." I'm going to go out and get the next best pitcher I can get, which, you know, happened to be Brad. And he's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we started, uh, we, so we got upset. We, we blew a two nothing lead and lost three, two in extra innings. Uh, the next day we played and I started Brad. We got three runs in the first inning or four runs, I think. And they came back and they got three and I pulled them in the first inning. And Darren took over. He had to hit because Brad was hitting when right. he was pitching. 
And uh, Jared got a couple of hits that game, and uh, we, <laughs> we squeaked through. I think the game ended 5-3. And then uh, after that, we, I think we played two the next day and uh, had Brad throw one game against, I think, PEI. And then after that, it was Darren. And I can remember saying to the team before a Wednesday night game in the huddle, I said uh, we were playing uh, the New York Spirit, I think, with Chris Wilson. And I said, gentlemen, if we win this game tonight, we'll win the tournament. And uh, I had complete faith. And then, uh, you know, we beat Stevie Jackson on the Thursday, then Paul Algar on Friday. Then we wow. had uh, Middleton and Schiller and Henniger with the farm on Saturday. Then we beat <laughs> Sioux City and HCD. And then we beat uh, Meredith uh uh, eight nothing the first game, and back then you had, that's the other thing you had to win twice. Yeah, in the final. The that's so, right. Yeah, and then uh, we beat Peter uh, in extra innings, three nothing, ten innings. So wow. And Darren, uh, you, you know, I, I, again, you can't. Um, I found Darren through you know back in ninety, and uh, again, people don't realize he was good, but he wasn't what I would consider great. And he had his coming out party with, you know, the national team and he was a consummate national team, you know, player, just give me the ball when you want to give me the ball with the club team. It's a little different. Um, there was a lot more expected of Darren uh, simply because he had that reputation. Uh, the, the difference is could anybody do what he did? Right today, and uh, the answer. And when you compare eras, there's your answer. Just like the pitchers in the '60s, they, I mean, they threw all the time. Dick Hames and some of the other great pitchers. I mean, they threw, you know, you know two, three games a day sometimes. And uh, somehow the mentality is such that today that, that um, they don't do that anymore. And and uh, you know. Uh, that's why it's it's hard to compare eras in terms of, of the quality of pitching. But that was a total team effort. Um, there was somebody, I mean, Brian Patton had the tournament of his life, yeah. uh, but everybody everybody contributed. Uh, we won two one nothing games off Bruce Castleman home runs, um, you know that sort of thing, and uh, you know it, it, it's 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 yeah. You can only do something for the first time. That's once, right. And, that's, and there, that's, again, a memory. And, and when I know Jack Fireman, were, you know, I knew 16 would be the last year. I told him, don't never see me again, Jack. I'm <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, because the agreement was, he told me, you started with me. I want you to finish with me. 16 would be the last year. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember writing him a letter that, that said, you know what? Um, when you look back on, on your years as a sponsor, the fact that uh, first Canadian team to win an ISC, first team to lose um, their first game and win it, and finally in 16, you had an undefeated team. So you did it every possible way. And, uh, you know, that's why to me, uh, Jack will always be a, a special person. Yeah, for sure. 
now before we get to that 2016 team because we definitely want to talk about that team because of course we have connections with scope yeah. and, and a bunch of the other other guys on the team that have been on the podcast but uh i gotta i gotta ask about tampa bay smoker year 98 how uh how did going there all come about well uh Jack, after the Canadians in 96, uh, Jack and I sat on a hill at the Canadian Championships, and I told him, I said, you know what, Jack, um, the rumors were out that Darren was going to go to Tampa, and I said, you know what, Jack, we can still have a team. It may not be the dominant team, but we're going to be competitive. Just keep it together. And uh, every year, Jack had a, a party and uh, at the end of the season, and he announced that he wasn't going to um, have a club team. So a uh, number of the Gator players who were also national team players got recruited uh, by Tampa. And uh, there was no way I was letting them go to Tampa without keeping an eye on them. And that's how I ended up as an assistant coach there. Okay. And uh, it was more out of... Uh, you know, making sure that they they still got the 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 team. But, uh, I don't know. But yeah, making sure that that they were still going to play the game the right way. And, right. and, and uh, uh, even though we weren't together, and uh, some people were chilly, gave me the opportunity to to go there, and uh, um, we didn't win it in '97. And uh, but even though we had Martin and Zach. Uh, but at the end of the day in 98, we did win and that team went undefeated and that was uh, an exceptional team as well. Well, I mean, we, we've seen the whole, we've had every person from that fast pitch movie on this podcast now. And I mean, we saw <laughs> what, uh, what Pete Percelli was doing with the Tampa Bay smokers there and how, how they were ran. How, like, was it like a, almost like a, uh, professional league team? mindset you know what i mean like it was it pretty much gave what whatever the players wanted wasn't it uh you know i gotta pause here because i'm trying to to to, to understand the question oh okay i just mean like did you did you see the fast pitch movie that uh jeremy Spear you know did? what it, 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 i've seen parts of it but you know what i find interesting okay when somebody, when they're going to talk about Darren Zach, don't you think they should have asked somebody that coached him for about ten years and twelve years, as opposed to somebody that coached him for one? Oh, one hundred percent, absolutely, no question. So there's parts of the movie that that I I haven't seen at all. I think you know, Darren. Uh, you know, I saw the part where they they talked about Darren. Um, I, I, again, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it uh, other than there are an awful lot of people that they could have talked to, and I'm not referring to myself. Well, there were mm -hmm. tons of people that, uh, if you're going to talk about the game of fast pitch, I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that they could have gone to, to For sure. that could have shed a lot of information on that. No, the, the Tampa thing was, you know, uh, they won in 96. Uh, and, you know, my role was to help them, you know, be the best coach, best assistant coach I could be, which was different for me. But I, I carry, I ran the defense and the pitching. Uh, so, I mean, the, the players were, were, the players wanted, you know, they had the right mentality to, to play the game and, and, and to win the game. 
uh, you know, they worked hard and then, uh, you know, we didn't get cheated on the field. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I look at it from a coach's perspective and, and, uh, um, you know, I mean, Pete, when you recruit, you know, a number of the best players, uh, your opportunity and your chance to win is there and you need to take full advantage of that. It's when you have the best team and I've had teams, Hey, we weren't the best team, and I'll use 92 as an example. Again, because of the circumstances, we had a lot of great athletes, but so did New Zealand. Uh, I've also had teams where, you know what, I had the best team, and you fully expect to win, and you, if you don't, then there's disappointment. So I think Tampa in 98, and that was the last time I coached a club team, and uh, was after that experience with Tampa. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So what was it that brought you back in 2016 with the Gators? Uh, we have a, an alumni party every year with the Gators. Um, you know, um, those years, 93 and 96, that that group uh, has a special bond, always will. Oh, absolutely. On our championship rings, our Hall of Fame rings, it's, you know, once a Gator, always a Gator. You play for the Gators, that's the motto. Yep. And uh, Jack had asked me to coach the Legends team. So believe it or not, I thought I was coaching the Legends team. <laughs> <laughs> and he had asked, and uh, then all of a sudden uh, he, he calls me <laughs> Up at 14, uh, and I'm in Washington visiting my uh, niece who's at Georgetown. He says, where have you been for the last two tournaments? <laughs> and, and I said, what are you talking about, Jack? He says, uh, I need you with the big team here. And Blair was with the, you know, was, was the head coach. So I came out for the final few tournaments uh, of the season. And as a matter of fact, my first experience, uh, none of the other coaches were there. And I believe it was the Mitchell tournament. Uh, or Tavistock tournament. Okay. I'm sorry, yeah, Tavistock. And so I didn't know a player. I knew uh, Ryan Wolf from some of the other teams. I did not know one player on the uh, on the Gators. And Blair wasn't there. And I remember going to a player and saying, you know, who bats where, <laughs> who, and then uh, anyhow, we end up beating the Hill in that tournament to go to the final. And I remember shaking hands in the hill line, and I said, you know, I said to Larry Lynch, do you know what this means? It means I'm going to end up coaching this team at some point. <laughs> and I was there just to help out. And anyhow, uh, then 15 came, and uh, Jack uh, had said that, uh, you know, he, had, he wanted to win another ISC. He'd recruited a number of New Zealand players and, and – uh, uh, he just felt uh, if there's anybody that could mesh New Zealand players with Canadian national team players, it was me. So I agreed to uh, coach it, and I said, uh, you know, I'll bring a couple people on, but we'll keep Blair as well because I, I felt he had coached yeah, some of the lesser sure. teams that Jack had, and and uh, my nature would never have allowed it otherwise, and I told Jack that. So that's how it happened. So it's good. Actually, I got to bring up a funny thing that you that when you and I were talking on the phone yesterday, didn't you say that uh, that first game where you, the other pitcher was out there on the mound, you went to the umpire and said, "What's <laughs> yeah. that in the back pocket?" <laughs> 
Yes, their first game. And as a matter of fact, I didn't even have cleats. And Kelly McGiffin was with the Scarborough Force. And uh, I've known Kelly for years. And he said, well, I had running shoes. He says, I got an extra pair of cleats uh, in my bag. So he gave me a pair of shoes. That tells you wow. uh, how prepared I was. And then, uh, yeah, the first inning, uh, after the first half, I go to the umpire and say, you know what, you got to, I don't know what he's got on that rag, but uh, you better <laughs> tell him that he can't have that. And the, the umpire who I knew said, Terry, uh, it's called Gorilla Grip. It's allowed. He says, wait a clear he goes out there and you'll see how often he uses it. So you end up walking back, uh, you know, talk about a learning experience. Yep, still learning, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's a great, that's a great story. Um as far as that 2016 team goes, though, I mean, there's a there's a number of players who we've had on the podcast. I mean, the Bolins, the you know Scove, but like who it reads like the who's who on that on that team. Maybe touch on that ISCs because I know it meant a lot for those guys to win that year. I mean, as far as you went as a coach, how did how how big was that for you? Well, again, it was the, I knew that would be the last year that I would step on a diamond. Okay. And, uh, when I met with Jack, um, wasn't even sure I was going to coach in 16. We got to the final in 15 and, and lost four, two, or we're winning four, two. And then, uh, Jason Hill hit the three run homer and we lost. And, uh, we had like a, a Gator party, uh, the alumni, the old guys. And we were at Jack's house and uh, Jack had said to my wife, you know, Terry has to coach in 16. And my wife always stays out of it. She said, Jack, don't talk to me about it. Uh, and my wife and I went to celebrate, I think, her 40th anniversary. Yeah, I guess it would be 40th in Europe. And I said, I'll talk to Jack when I come back from Paris and London. And we met at the house and... Um, I said, he told me it was going to be his last year. And I said, okay, I'll give it all I've got. And, and, uh, that was the beginning. I wrote an off season letter to the players and I told them, uh, our motto for the year was going to be champions do extra. And I said, here's what you got to do. These, this is what it means. I talked about pressure and, uh, so we went in with a full expectation of, um, uh, of the correcting the defeat of, of 16. Right. But the real reason I came back to coach and I tell Larry Lynch this story is that Larry being involved with the legends, with the Gators. So he comes to the party and he says, Hey, Terry, you want to see our Hill championship ring that I just designed? <laughs> oh, yikes. So I drove home uh, that night and I said to my wife, I said, uh, I'm going to coach again. Jeff, so it was tongue in cheek with Larry because we're good friends. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, but we prepared in the off season, and one of the things I did was uh, I asked every player to tell me four things you can do one percent better. And I asked the coaches, and I asked everybody else. And let's say you have a group of twenty-five, so you multiply twenty-five times four one percent, and what do you get? A hundred percent. So we're going to be a hundred percent better than we were the year before. Wow. Nice. Wow. That's a great, that's a great philosophy right there. That's awesome. Now, 
you mentioned as far as the you know New Zealand and Canadian connection there. I mean, you you look at that roster like the Canadians. You have Cleary. You have you know you have the Bowens. You have those guys, and then you have Rona. You have the the big New Zealanders on the team. What what was it that you did? Was there any like what did you do particularly to you know get the mesh together? Um. I think I think it was two parts. Uh, we had two captains, Rona and uh, and, and Ryan, and uh, you know, unfinished business in two fifteen, and, and we said in sixteen, you know, uh, it's all about the Gators. Uh, one of the things I, I I do is I sat down with every New Zealand player. I wanted to know about their families. I wanted to know what they did back home. It wasn't just hey, you're here to play softball. Uh, so that, that was one thing. Uh, Brad Rona is a tremendous ball player. Uh, but there was a way that, that, you know, very vocal, um, as an example, I said, you, you, if you want to talk, you talk in, in the outfield during the pregame, I said, in my huddle, there's only one voice and it's not going to be yours. And, uh, I remember saying to him that I, you know, you give your message and that's it. The assistant coaches don't. It's There's one voice that needs to be heard. And then halfway through the season, we sit down with every player. And, uh, you know, where we think you are, what do you need to do to get ready for the ISC? And, and it's just the practice I've always done. And uh, I can remember Brad saying, I'm not where I want to be, but I'll be ready coach at the ISC. So we put we put, I won't say pressure because, you know, pressure is your friend. That's the way we viewed it. It's only bestowed or given to those that are very talented and there's high expectations of, uh, Ryan Boland played a part, uh, you know, we, we, we took, uh, half the team to, to Newfoundland, uh, all the New Zealand players as a bonding exercise. And there, there was a meeting, you know, prior to the ISC uh, with players only, uh, which was we're, we're here to win it, and uh, everybody plays their role and plays their part. Didn't that trip to Newfoundland? Didn't you guys go on a boat trip, and it wasn't very, very <laughs> great. <laughs> it wasn't very what? Very. It wasn't very a very well. good boat trip. <laughs> Well, I, I think a couple of guys got sick on it. Uh, it, it was, I, we did a clinic in the morning, and uh, it was interesting because uh, I ended up, believe it or not, I said, there's no way I'm going to Newfoundland because Jack, I ended up paying my own way of that because uh, Jack didn't take the whole team, and I said I was going to take my wife on a holiday. Right. And I didn't end up taking her. But Blair took his family on a, on a holiday. And uh, I guess they all stayed in a hotel downtown. And I said, I don't want no part of this. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't care. I'm not involved. And uh, I believe I was staying at uh, Ryan Boland's father's house. Can't remember. But uh, I was as far away from anything that happened that weekend as you could be other than the games. And, and you you know, we had an agreement uh, that weekend, uh, you know, with the Hill that we would, when we played them, you know, it would be Cleary against uh, Folkhart. And uh, my plan was a few innings each, and that was it. And then uh, 
down, but we did sub with Schofield that game. He came in relief and he found himself in a tight situation with first base open. I said, no, he's going to pitch and gave up a two run homer, but that was a learning experience because I knew we were going to need him at some point in the season when it really counted. So yeah, yeah of course. No, since we're talking about Scof, uh, what's uh, how uh, from your point? What's it like to see him doing what he's done with his career so far? Because I mean, he, you know, he he's he's worked for everything he's got. You know, um, I had many talks with him. Uh, you know, uh, I brought him back in '16 uh, because I wanted him on the team. Uh, he's a good team man. And to win an ISC, your pitcher's got to, you, you need your ace to be able to pitch every day. Okay. Right. One of the hardest things to do uh, is to, to throw two great games and you have to throw three great games. You have to throw your winner's half game, winner's round, final, and then the championship game. So you, Schofield came with a mentality in 16 of, of, being a part of something to win his first ISC. And, uh, you know, he's been up and down with the national team and he's worked for everything he's gotten. And I'm pleased as punch to, uh, um, see him on the national team and perform as well as he, as he is. I think 16 was a turning point for him. Um, because of that one game where we had to use him. So. What, what game was that, Terry? Was that the one in Newfoundland you mean? I'm sorry. What? No, the the uh, the winners round final. In the oh United right, States. yes. We playing the hill the night before. Clary had thrown as good a game as I've seen anybody throw against the Gremlins. Right. It was a masterful game, and I said so. I said, you know what? Um, there are provincial championship games. There are Canadian championship games. And then there are world-class games. And I told Sean that that's the kind of game he threw against uh, the Gremlins. So the next night we're playing Hill to go to the final. Um, Sean gives up a couple runs in the first inning. We get one back. He gives a couple more runs in the second. And I said to Sean, Sean comes to me, he says, Coach, I haven't got it. I haven't got it tonight. And I said, I need two more innings. So give me two more innings. I go to Schofield and I say, Schofield, Get yourself ready. You're going in the fifth, no matter what. So what happens? Sean throws three up, three down in the third, three up, three down in the fourth. Scove comes to me. He says, am I still going in the fifth? I said, what did I say to you? Yeah. He says, okay, I guess I'm going in. And you know what? One of the biggest things about pitchers and coaches and pitcher changes um, I remember somebody telling me once, you know what, when a pitcher's out there and he's giving you his heart, you have to give him yours. And you never break a bond. You never make a commitment, break a commitment. And if I told Schofield, what kind of coach would I have been if I told Schofield, you're not going in in the fifth. And I told Sean, well, I want you to go out in the fifth. Right. So Schofield goes in in the fifth. First pitch, Ezekiel hits a home run. So everybody's going, oh, boy. And then he threw lights out and we win the game and extra innings. So when he comes off the field, I turned to him and I said, Scope, I just made you another $10,000. <laughs> Beautiful. That's amazing. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the next day we, we finish it off. And, but 
with Schofield, you know, when we were in Newfoundland, we're playing a round robin game. And he says, coach, let me go a couple more innings. So again, a learning experience. I said, okay, I wanted to take you out. You want to go? They get two or three more runs. He comes off the dime. He says, coach, I'll never question you. If you tell me I'm out, I'm out. If I'm in, I'm in. I'll never question you again. And the same thing when we lost to the Hill the next day in that round robin. He gives a two-run home run to Malali with first base open. Blair says to me, why'd you do that? I said, because you know what? He's going to be, a- he needs to be able to pitch in these situations yeah. and get the guy out. And that's that's how you you, you deal with the uh, pitching staff, and and that goes back. Uh, I'll never forget Roger Nielsen saying that to me one day. He said, "You know, Terry, when a when a guy's out there giving you his heart, you have to give it back to him." Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, as we wind down here, um, one be one thing I want to ask before we get done here, Terry. Um, coaching philosophies. I mean, for any of the coaches out there that listen, I mean, you've had such success over your, your entire career. What's uh, <clears throat> what's some of the things that made you such a successful coach? You know, leadership's a, a funny thing. Um, first of all, I mean, I think I said it earlier, it's not about the wins and the losses. It's about the impact you have on, on if you're coaching young players, the impact that you have on them. If you're coaching older adults, it's it's uh, the leadership that you bring to them. And, uh, you know, my coaching philosophy has been very simple. Um, you know, I don't have uh, um, a lot of rules. Uh I just believe in challenging players. Um, I have the talk I give, you know, coach better than you are, play better than you are. Um, it's all about communication. It's all about motivation. It's all about teaching. And uh, the leadership component is is that uh, you don't want players to follow you because you want them to. You want them to follow you because they want to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to me, those are the kinds of things uh, I prided myself as a coach in terms of being a motivator, a teacher, uh, being a strategist as well. And uh, go to the wall for your players and they'll go to the wall for you. Um, I have a saying, uh, gratitude is the best attitude. Uh, we should be so appreciative that, you know, players that they've been given the talent to play this game and, and uh, the way they do and you know, for their country and for their club teams, uh, coaches, because you're a part of it. Uh, uh, and if I could, I'll tell you one little, you know, two little things, quick stories, if I could. Absolutely. Yep, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, when we have the lineup card, you know, where it says substitutes. Yep. Yes. I always cross that out and I put T-O-T-M, team of the moment. And I said, because you know what, when you go out on the field, uh, you're not a substitute. I expect you to perform and you're part of the team of the moment that's out there. And it's one of those things that that I had a football coach that emphasized to me the importance of communication. And whether you're the star player, the number one player, or the 18th player, I said something to a player every day, every day. They were as important. Players knowing their roles. I mean, it's key. That's key. Team culture. Everybody buying in. 
we used to have a core covenant that we called uh, that this is who we are, this is how we do it, and this is the way we do it every, every day. Um, the story that about attitude and gratitude uh, at a, one of the camps uh, that I had for, for one of my early teams, uh, we practiced twice a day and then inner squad at night. And, and one of the captains came to me and he said, Terry, can we have tomorrow morning off? And I said, I'll tell you what, uh, let's meet in the meeting room and uh, we'll talk about it. So we, uh, when we went to the meeting room, everybody had a piece of paper and pencil. And I said, you know what, guys, we've been here three days and we've had two groundskeepers that are absolutely fabulous. They've done everything we've asked them to do. I said, if everybody can tell me the first name of the two groundskeepers, we'll have practice <laughs> off tomorrow. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And needless to say, we practiced the next morning. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. We go back to the meeting room that night, piece of paper and pencil. Can everybody tell me the name of the two groundskeepers? 100%. Yeah. Wow. Attitude. Gratitude. Gratitude. 100%. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. That is awesome. That's awesome. I got one more question before we go here. I can remember all the good looking groundskeepers. <laughs> <laughs> you had a few there in Saskatoon. Yeah, we did. Um, one more question here, Terry, before we get going. I got to ask, what's the baderisms? Baderisms. Um, it's uh, one of the, <laughs> when I was doing speaking engagements when I was a somebody as opposed to a nobody now um, <laughs> it's just sort of my 20 point formula for success but I, I also had you know some things in there um, you know a person that asks the wrong questions will always get the wrong answers uh, a chieftain who drinks with his huns soon becomes one of them um <laughs> Little things like like that, uh, as I say, uh, think innings ahead as, as a coach, uh, set the tone. I always played my best. I didn't care who we played in the first game. We could have played as a national team. We could have played the weakest country uh, with the Gators, uh, club teams. We could have played the worst team. But I always believed in setting the tone for the tournament. And I always played our best 10 the first time. Right. So those things, expect the unexpected, notice the unnoticed, um, the game within the game, little things like that. Uh, when I go watch the ISC now, I mean, I don't watch the players. I watch the coaches. Um, I can tell you a good coach from an average coach. Uh, I can, you know, uh, so... Just little things like that and and uh no yeah makes sense well hope you if, if terry's ever watching make lot. sure you're on your game oh, 100 <laughs> will be. i promise you i'll send i'll send them to you okay guys and then yes. if you can figure them out get that, that yeah that'd be great please do please do that'd be awesome listen terry we gotta thank you so much for taking time out of your you know the fact that you flew home from florida just to take to care of a flood. yeah <laughs> to take care of a flood to you know come on here and talk to us while you're yeah, at home in your ontario time. yeah we definitely appreciate it because i mean you're such a huge part of uh, of the game here in our country and the world 
you know, I, I, I've just really got to be uh, thankful to you guys. Um, I've, I've heard about your podcast. I've, I've listened to some of them uh, with, with some of the, my former players. And, and uh, you know, let me be the first to acknowledge that, uh, you know, just as the players didn't get to be where they are, I certainly didn't get to be, you know, have the success that I had. Uh, whether it was club team or national team, without having great players, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that's a big part of it. But I also think back to the roots, um, and uh, I say to any of the coaches that are out there, you know what? Uh, take the time to coach the U13s, the U15s, the U17s. Um, your time will come, and I, I I think that's one of the 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 unfortunate things in, in, in coaching today that, that, you know, people retire from playing the game and they expect to start at the top. Right. And, uh, you know what, uh, I think you just like you earn the right to win, you earn the right to coach. And, uh, I was fortunate. Hey, assistant coach at the national team at 30 head coach at 39 retired at 49, having won everything there was to win in the game. Um, you know, and that's why you come back 15 years later. Uh, part of it was, can I still do this? And the answer is yes. Am I ever going to step out on a diamond again? No. Okay. But uh, that doesn't mean I won't be involved in some way, shape, or form. And I've enjoyed watching this game. Uh, my dad brought me up in it. And, uh you know, it, it's because of him and, and some of the people that have been in major influences in my life. And I've been lucky that I had a wife and uh, family and the kids that, that were all part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. son's the bad boy. They go to the tournaments. And that's the difference in the game today. Back then, you know, the families traveled with the teams to all the tournaments. You don't see that as much now because players fly in on Friday and they fly home Sunday. And that's one of the elements in the game that uh, is missing. And it's, it's too bad. Yep. For sure. Well, but uh, no, you guys do a great job and and you're keeping the game alive. And uh, uh, geez, I wish, uh, you know, you look at all the television coverage. It's, it's first rate. And, and, uh, you know, what was one of my highlights? TSN doing the Challenge Cup with yeah. Buck Martinez and Jim Hewson yeah. in 90, 1990 and Mark Jones interviewing me after the game. And then the next day he gets a job at ESPN and I tell his brother whenever I see him, if it wasn't for that interview, who knows whether <laughs> ESPN would have had him. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's awesome. That's too funny. Again, Terry, thanks again so much for coming on. Get uh, and, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, anytime. It's my pleasure. All right. Get that get that basement all cleared up, would you? <laughs> yeah, we'll see what the insurance adjuster says tomorrow. Uh, all right. Take Thank care, you. pal. Take, Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Terry. Take my care. My pleasure. Bye Good now. talking to you. Bye. Cheers. Yeah. Right on. That podcast brought to you by Rawlings. Rawlings. <laughs> hey ship. Hear uh, that? That was buddy? awesome. That was yeah. awesome. And he still has it. We should ask for a picture of it. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take a picture of of ours as well. Yeah. Anyway, I call it ours. When we talk about coaches, <laughs> his name is Coach. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he's he's seen it all, done it all. Seen it all. Like I mean, there's a there's a lot more we could have covered on that. 
we would have been here for another well, yeah, it's almost bedtime. <laughs> um, the thing is, uh, also his his ability to speak well. Obviously, he's he's been in that situation many times over his lifetime, his career, being able to speak very well. Because, like you said, before we came on today, there wasn't going to be a lot of talking coming from us or our side. Yeah. It's going to be Terry talking, which I I super appreciate. Um, well, anytime we can sit back and listen oh, well, to what geez, they're going to say, yeah, it's just I mean, we soak it all in. I love betaisms. Like I, I love the, the 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 concept he has around that. Yeah, listening to what he's talking about and coaching and being a motivator and a teacher and game manager, strategist, all of the above, it means a lot. Actually, some a few of the things he was saying. You know what it it. it Triggers. No, it took me back to oh. having Tommy Doucette as a coach. Oh yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, like just yeah. how that's how, the mentality, right? Because yeah. Tommy was such a like yeah. such a brain, like yeah. so good at the game, and Both. just some of the things Terry was saying. Just, yeah, yeah. But uh, man, that was great. That was fantastic. It was good. And I'm sure you know he's he actually talked to him there yesterday on the phone. And he said, you know, if you guys ever have any questions. We can reach out to him and absolutely, you know, it's it, having connected, being able to do that. That's another benefit to this podcast. You know what I mean? Gosh, Randy, yeah, we talk about it all the time. Yes, such a benefit. Um, love it. What do you got coming up? What do we got coming up? Uh, I got Kayla Calwick coming on next week. Uh, Sweet, all American, uh, University of Kentucky. She is now. She was the WPF Rookie of the Year last year. Nice with the U Triple S A Pride. Um, the big guest after that, I'm going to keep a little secret what we got going on. Well, you're telling me after we hang up, we have some, we have some big guests, both in the men's and women's game. Awesome. Coming up. So Good, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. Anyway, again, Hey, we're getting closer to spring. We're getting closer to spring. Time to get those, uh, ball bags back out. And I think most guys are out anyway. But. Yeah. No, try not. <laughs> <laughs> Actually the, the Florida tournament's coming up here at the end. Yeah, of the- that's right. What's today? Today's the 18th. 18th of January. Yeah. Jeez, we should have actually talked about that. I forgot all about that. You're talking about it now, man. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be fun to watch because softball premiere, of course, is covering it. So Yeah, I can't wait to watch it, actually. The big teams going down there. Uh, of course, the Gremlins will be... Oh, I wonder if Farmy's going to get on the commentary again this year. I hope not. He <laughs> <laughs> was so awesome. Farmy, if you're listening, oh, get on that commentary again because that was awesome. I actually listened to Farmy's podcast again. <laughs> I loved it. It was so funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, we better get going. Uh, again, all those people there, if you like, subscribe, whatever you do, just, you know, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, however you listen to us and uh, follow us on all social medias, all that. Share with your friends. Share. We're just looking share. to uh, promote the game. We really want to boost this podcast. Promote the game. More. Yeah, for sure. And uh, again, thank you to Rawlings. And also, thank you for listening. And everybody, pray for Kenzie. Yes, sir. And uh, let's take it out with Classified. Classified. The Easton Synergy Fast Pitch Bat. Reintroduced in 2023, the Easton Synergy was designed to give fast pitch players the ultimate combination of performance and durability. Men's fast pitch was ignored by companies for years, but no more. Get your very own Easton Synergy at an authorized Easton retailer near you.
Hey yo, I finally got the truth from ya And took a bit, y'all recognize wow. The classified was never one to mess around with lies huh. It ain't my nature, total behavior Be opposite, dropping it I'll be the dopest MC rocking it Compose your tracks, got your mind in the days And got you wondering how I can flip it every which way Lots of practice, hey yo Class brings tactics that make you bounce around Like you and your girl on the mattress Son, I'll stop you in your track with your weak style And you can speak foul, but can you really freak pal? Too many MCs on the mic sound the same It's kinda funny though, cause they're the ones that found the fame So what's I say, about the world and the music business I guess it's all about the bank and how much money's in it And half life is like half broke I gotta work the 9 to 5 to put my own records out It ain't a problem yo, keeps me focused on the mic It makes my skills tight, it feels right to shake the light So I'ma break it for the million MCs speaking raps They never see no money, no fame or no contract And yo, you know most of us won't See a million bucks, most of us will end up broke To me, that's what it ain't about Yo, I live for it Hip-hop, what's the best you can give for it? What you take me for, son? Another ten minute rapper. We're only in the game because it's friends in it. Blast your weapons that leave your brain intoxicated. If duplicated, I must start this off and instigated. So watch yourself or catch a lyric to that dome in seconds. I use my microphone to tear MCs apart in sections. I use my mind to amplify the situation needed and put them all together when my destination meet it. And now I'm at the spot for sure convinced that it was never about talking it. All about rocking it and dropping it. From late at night to early morning, rappers on the mic will DJ's focus on the core and change. It's got my mental doing flips. You come and do this game, think it's easy, y'all can do this. So put the mic down, let an empty like me kick it. Flipping, flipping, that's how I hit it. Ha.